he's a Georgia boy through and through. From piano lessons to playing saxophone in the school band, to years on the road with New Song, then Third Day, and now onto one of the biggest country stars in the world. Scotty Wilbanks is becoming a household name among many in the Christian and country music worlds. And tonight, he's invited us into his studio at an undisclosed location to talk about everything from being a roadie down to the time he was an Oak Ridge boy for a few minutes. Well, here's our conversation with Scotty Wilbanks. Take it away, Chris and Cal. Broadcasting live from the Northeast Tower of Peach Castle in downtown, beautiful Coal Mountain. This is Coal Mountain Cal along with my brother Christopher Cheatham and the good doctor Steve Thompson, bringing you another stellar episode of The Crossing where the music meets memories. That's Hello. what I would normally say, well, but no. No? No, we're in the undisclosed location because this pandemic has taken us on the road and... Uh, in a bunker. We are bunkered in. bunkered in in the... Rock Porium Studios of the great Scotty Wilbanks. Who is Scotty Wilbanks, they say, Chris? Scotty Wilbanks? Yes. Well, I think that's what we're going to find out tonight. Scotty Wilbanks is a bona fide record producer. Right. Keyboard Piano player. player. Mm -hmm. Plays for uh, some cat named Luke Bryant when he's not got podcasts he's doing right. with right. folks. Right. <laughs> he li he literally plays piano for Luke Bryant. Not that he's not a fashion consultant or anything like that. Steve I mean, told me, he said, hey, we're going to a big studio with a big Nashville record producer. I'm like, oh, we're doing Dave Cobb tonight up at uh, we don't need to <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, Studio A or, or, you know. We're not worried. Bradley's Barn or Quonset Hut. <laughs> <laughs> we're at Scotty's place. Scotty, welcome to the show, sir. Yep, good to be here. We got hooked up with Scotty through, of course, uh, Steve Thompson, who is like uh, uh, six degrees of separation from everybody. every uh, musician, artist, and uh, adult film star in <laughs> the uh, North midget America and midget wrestlers going and, cut, and cut, some cut. wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to give him something to do, give him something to cut out. You know? He's the Forrest but, Gump of <laughs> celebrities. He says you might have heard, heard of it. Might have. Might have heard of it. Might have heard of it. Steve, won't you tell the folks how you and Scotty kind of got to knowing each other? Well, we'll start it out that way. We do go back a long ways. A long ways. Uh, so, uh, I I toured with gospel bands way back in the day. I played with a group called the Perrys for several years from the time I was a young teenager, like 13 through 15. And then I played for a singer named Wendy Bagwell, who's in the Georgia Music Hall of Fame, gospel singer and everything. And then uh, we used to do some shows with a group called Gold City, and their drummer was Corbett Harper when I used to do a lot of concerts with them. And so, I, I got married, 88. Got off the road late 88. So early 1989, I get a call from Corbett saying, hey, want to know if you want to play guitar? We got a like this Christian band we put together called Full Armor Band, like a Christian rock pop band. Kind we of were thing. huge. So, oh, we were huge, man. So we played Setting Down Baptist. We did. Now they're Armored Saint. Yeah, Armored Saint. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So Scotty, he's about a, not quite my age, about was, two years younger I was younger a teenager, young child. That's right. Then. So I was about 20. You were about 18. You were at Truett McConnell College. Yep. And a music major at Truett McConnell. Then yep. you went on to University of Georgia. But for several years, so we I, had that band. Scotty was a keyboard player. I played guitar. We had a bass player and a drummer. Yep. Corbett Harper, Jeff Crocker and in the band. We had a few different bass players. Had a few, yeah, yeah. Had a few. We, we kept Most going through do. bass yeah. players. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like We're it ain't got but four week. strings on it. What's the problem? <laughs> what is the problem? <laughs> I mean, one note at a time. That's right. So y'all so been we, playing along. So we, play, yeah, we played in a band together, and I, I started promoting concerts 
uh, I did eight or ten shows over the next two or three years, and for three years in a row, we had new song over at Gainesville at the Georgia Mountain Center, and I'd hire our band to play. When I say hire, I don't even know if we ever got any money. We ain't make no money. Nah, we we had T-shirts, yeah, and stuff that we used to buy more T-shirts, <laughs> and uh, so anyway, through that is how he kind of met the first band that he really toured with, with new song. He yeah. ended up after about three years in a row of doing that, he went out on the road with them. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Scotty, let's go back a little bit further. Tell everybody where you were born and all of that stuff. Well, you, I come from my mama and them. Yeah. In uh, I knew he was say a that, little right? town called Maysville, Georgia. So, northeast Georgia. Near Commerce. Near Commerce. Went to Commerce High School because that was the closest town with a high school. And uh, grew up there and, uh, you know, just... My my parents are not musicians. They don't play instruments. They don't really say, you know, they're not real musically inclined or anything like that. Daddy was a meat cutter. And mama vaccinated chickens at the chicken plant when I was a kid. And uh, Sounds like a start of a country music song. I, I mean, I'm going to write that one tonight when y'all leave. Tonight I wouldn't hit the pillow yeah. until it's done. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's another one. Wouldn't hit the pedal till it's done. That's right. <laughs> you know, normally it's the other way around, but let's right. go. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but that's where I grew up, and uh, I cut my teeth on, I tell people everything from Southern Gospel uh, to, you know, big band music to 50s and 60s music um, and, and everything else in between. So were keyboards, were the, was that your first musical choice or well it wasn't a choice it was more like get your butt in there and take piano lessons you're going to do it whether you like it or not you know my mom and daddy yeah mama made me you know she's one of 14 kids she's from pocatalago georgia which you probably don't never heard of that it's about the size of a parking lot i've Mm. never even heard of that yeah on you 30 years right i can't even spell it (laughs) yeah i mean she's country is dirt and uh she always wanted to play but she never could take lessons as a kid so she decided that she's going to take it out on me. You're going to live vicariously And I'm you. going to take the lessons. So at eight years old, I started taking some piano lessons uh, from the, you know, uh, music uh, minister at the church. And, uh, you know, just a great guy. And I took for a couple of years on and off there, kind of, you know, really didn't really care for it a whole lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't Most really like it. Most people you talk to, on that, and we've discussed this on a couple other podcasts, that piano lessons, they, they hate them usually Yeah, I don't, it, you know, I'd rather been outside doing something, you know, or whatever. And then Eight I, years old, that's a tough age. It's a tough, I mean, you know, it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough one. But anyway, I did it for a few years, and I quit. Then I picked up a school band, uh, started playing the saxophone. But I like that. Um but the, all during through high school, middle school, you know, I played sax. And then I ended up going to all through college on a saxophone scholarship and, you know, getting some degrees and stuff like that because of the saxophone. But I never stopped playing piano, you know, so I always kept doing that. And I was in, even before we did Full Armor, you know, I can remember being in middle school, you know, rocking out in my buddy Wade Newberry's parents' basement, you know, because they had a basement in Oh yeah, he had a drum set, and it was my keyboard on an iron and board stand, and his drum set, and we would play Bob Seger and Huey Lewis and the News and Skinnerd and Journey songs till we, till they made us quit, and uh, kind of just started there, and you know, one little garage band to another, 
and uh, until eventually I found some real musicians like Steve <laughs> and those guys, you know, who were way older than me. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And took me uh-huh. under their wing. <laughs> Raised you. Showed Raised you the ways. me right. <laughs> showed me the, showed the ways. Showed me how to listen and play now, and let, all the let, things well, I was doing wrong. Let me ex- <laughs> yeah, let me expand on that a little bit. A lot of times it would be between me and Corbett flipping a quarter to see who's going to drive you home to yell at you all the way home because you played too many notes yeah. that night. Well, st- Leave well, a little I, room for somebody else. Well, son, I thought I got paid by the note. That's right. Right. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I play all of them? Why God gave 88 the of them on the keyboard. Yeah, why? I leave them on the table. I don't want them to feel like they're left out. <laughs> so Chris has a question that he asks all of our musical guests on here. Mm. What was the first song you ever learned? On guitar. On guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Where you been the whole time we've been talking, boy? <laughs> first one on guitar. I mean, that'd have to be smoking Smoke the water. water. Okay. I mean, I, everybody, I mean, I can play that right now and I don't even play guitar. He throws that guitar caveat in there all yeah. the time. I mean, that is, I mean, that smoke on the water. Oh, this is what everybody plays. So what was the first, first song you learned on piano? Start to finish. Gospel. I had a bit of gospel song. Oh, right? so, well, I mean. Minister teaching you music. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I was learning... Mary had a little lamb and all that kind of junk. But, heck, I don't know. First song with a band. Oh, son. That had to have been a Skinner song. Yeah. Or Seeger. Old time rock and roll or Freebird. Freebird. You know, because it had the piano. Mm-hmm. That had to be definitely one of those. Yeah. Because that Bob Seeger Nine Tonight record, which was a live record, live. you know, what oh, I was freaking great. And what I loved about it, because I'm a Seeger fan anyway, but he had a sax player in the band. Yeah. Alto Reed. That's right. Yes. The greatest name for a sax player, Alto <laughs> yes. Reed. Alto Reed. <laughs> Alto Reed. You know? And so as a keyboard and a sax player and a guy who sang, I could get great vocals, I could get great sax solos, and great piano playing, because his piano player was killer. So I just love me some Seeger. And that's why you love Huey Lewis in the News. I love Huey Lewis in the News, buddy. That sports album, mm-hmm. I'll never forget getting that cassette. Is that the first one? But sports changed everything for sports, him. Yeah, sports uh, was the that what a great record. Was he Made him a new name. self-titled? Was that the first one? I think probably. One mm-hmm. uh one a new drug and yeah, yeah. that was you on know, sports. Heart of rock and roll but still beating. The, but the first record I ever bought, I have, used to have in there, but uh it was Beach Boys, Endless Summer. And I saw that was the first, one of the first concerts I ever saw was the Beach Boys at Lanierland. There's Earl in Ireland. You know what I'm saying? It all just comes back around to Lanierland. Mm-hmm. It is. These but guys I, were probably running spotlights. They night. probably were. Yeah. I ran a Beach Boy show yeah, too. I was oh yeah, Beach, Beach Boy Boys show. at Lanierland, and I met Al Jardine, and uh, I was in the Boy Scouts, and we were ushers. Remember how they let the Boy Scouts kind of usher there or whatever? Mm-hmm. And and so somehow I was side stage when they came through, yeah. and I said hey to Al Jardine, and he gave me his little yellow lay thing he had with flowers on it and all. He's like and the Mean Joe Green commercial it. where he yeah. tosses the jersey. <laughs> yeah, Here you seriously. go, kid. Here you go, kid. He's like, here, kid. Here's my lay. thing. Put it around lay. your neck and hush. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew then. I, I knew then. There was knew something then. to it about, about watching a concert, seeing people yep. on stage, and seeing how the crowd reacts. And I just thought, man, if I could ever do something like that, oh, my gosh. But, you know, growing up in the middle of nowhere, you don't do things like that. Yeah. It didn't you, take much to excite you musically. Well, uh, so well, as far as playing with a garage band, I mean, you're pretty much stuck in the garage, not so much oh. going out and playing out. I mean, but you, just two or three, because like Cal and I, we had a little band, and we had like four people come and just show up where we were playing. Oh, dude, 
It was like playing in front of a, 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 oh, an audience, a, you know, just because there was well, four people there. Who well, was you're getting attention. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just yeah. it. All yeah. the friends from middle school or high school, they would all come to the basement mm-hmm. after school, and they would be, I don't know, 10 or 12 people down there, and we're just rocking out, having Worth a it. good old time. Worth it. You know, just and we don't have a clue what we're doing. <laughs> You know, but, but there were some, some girls hanging around. There, I, they I were bet. chicks. Yeah, so chicks, I was like, "This is great. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> this is working for me." Because son, I couldn't got arrested. I mean, it no I, getting a girlfriend was not in my equation. <laughs> that was not going to happen. <laughs> Keep playing those keyboards, young folks. That's right. Keep doing those lessons. So you did the garage garage band thing for went went to college. Yeah, played some sax in college. Yeah, played in bands in college. Yeah, you know, well, I graduated high school at seventeen, and I wanted to be a marine. That's what I wanted to be. You know, music was cool, but I wanted to be a Marine. And or? Full on, you know, and so I had <laughs> met with the recruiters, had it all lined up. I was going to go in on a thing called the Buddy System. It was a new thing that they put in in 88, you know, and I graduated. And I remember sitting at the supper table with Mom and Daddy with the papers because they had to sign, sign it because I wasn't at eight, 18 yet. Mm-hmm. And they backed out. They daggum backed out on me and would not sign my paper so I could go to the to uh, Paris Island. Did you get I was, mad? Yeah, I got mad. Yeah. You know, I was like, why? You know, and, and Mama was like, I just can't do it. I just don't have a piece about it. I just, my brothers went to Vietnam, and I just can't do it. You, If you want to go when you're 18, but I'm not signing you up right now. And I had, so I had to make a decision. Do I wait till I turn 18 and enlist myself? I don't even know if you know this. I I have it, not heard this. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, and... I didn't think you had the discipline to be a Marine. Son, I had it. <laughs> I mostly wanted to whip people's tails. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, uh, I can't do it, you know, and I had some scholarship opportunities, uh, and I ended up having to make a quick decision, and I, you know, I said, well, I'm going to go to this Truett McConnell College. Um, they've given me a great deal. I'm going to go up there and try it out. Did they have like and, a military and program? There, they have a military they program. They did, and that's North Georgia. I knew North Georgia did, but I was thinking they didn't have one. Had a little but one. but you know, it's cool to look you know look back and you kind of see how God was kind of doing some cool stuff there, working on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and, putting and, you in the right place. And flash forward about twenty five years later, you spoke at the commencement at Truett McConnell. I did, which is bizarre. Which they was tried one to of the funniest. Out of the daddy gum school when I was there. <laughs> then twenty five years later, they want me to come be the commencement speaker <laughs> at the graduation. I'm going to now with that. Oh saxophone. my gosh! <laughs> I was like, he, it's a, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He he comes out there and basically starts it with, man, just looking around at these buildings. I can't believe how much has changed when I pull it, and he's like. No, y'all hadn't done anything. This place, yeah. <laughs> this place looks exactly the same. <laughs> what have y'all been doing for 25 years? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those crazy quick decisions that I had to make, you know, doing the, the college thing. And from there, I met Steve. And, you know, we started the band. And then one thing led to another. And here we are. And, that, and like I said, that third year in a row... So we played at churches and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of different things like that. And, and when I'd promote those concerts at the Georgia Mountain Center, it's where we met New Song. And that third year of the of New Song, 
they had always done tracks before. So it was all just music tracks, tracks. and singers. Four guys who sang. And they decided to do a band, but you went on the road with them first as like yeah. a roadie, but the, and then but as a you know, with the hope of being a keyboard player, you know. This is and sax he was and the Billy Powell of the Christian well, well, check rock. Well, this yes, out. Now, yes. See, I see that's what I'm talking about. It makes me happy that you know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I knew we were brothers well, from well, the right? I felt a connection. Yeah. I could tell just when we was eating barbecue. Eating barbecue, correct. Um Craziest thing. Don't get him started on Skinner. We'll get there. Right here. I mean, All things come around. To check the his great email address. Skin yeah. dude. So, <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Anyway, dude. anyway, so, like, as you were so, saying. So anyway, so I'll, I'll just zoom through this. But uh, by that time, I had graduated Truett McConnell and gone to University of Georgia. We still had Go full dogs. armor. We mm -hmm. opened for New Song, and uh, one of the guys in New Song came up to me after the show, and he's like, "Man." You know, what do you what do you want to do? And I was like, man, I want to do what y'all do. You like travel and everything? I was like, yes, sir. He's like, well, let me get your number. Maybe we might be looking for somebody. And I'm like, I didn't oh. know he was trying to get out of our band. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. <laughs> what were you getting your degree in when you were at Georgia? Uh, Georgia's music education. He was doing music, music education. Okay. Yep. So you was, you was in the you was in the wheelhouse. He's in the this field. Was, yeah. This wasn't going to be a stretch going yeah. from engineering. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. And, and so... I'll never forget getting a phone call from Eddie Carswell with a new song. He said, hey, we're, we're playing in Atlanta this weekend. I'd love to talk to you if you're interested. We might have an opportunity. And I was like, oh, yes, sir. Just, you know, this is before cell phones and all that, you know. Just let me know the address, and I'll get my road atlas out, and we'll figure out how to get there, <laughs> you know, in my, 70, in my 79 Buick Regal with T-tops. He was about 20, 21 was at about the time. 22. Those T-tops leak. They leak. No. I kept them sealed good. With the armor all stuff? Yeah. Most and, people's uh, I still got that eventually. car, too, yeah. by the way. Still got that car. Yeah. It runs like a scalded dog. Get the Vaseline <laughs> on got the Got a V8. Yeah. And so uh, I drove that thing all the way out to Atlanta. I'd barely ever been to Atlanta. Really. It's true. Honestly. And I'm nervous on this interstate. Had more than one, two lanes. Get out there to this mega church. I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. I walk in. Now, I had dressed myself up like a rock star because I'm about to go meet potential opportunity here. And I walk in, and they've got their lights set up, and they're in there doing a sound check. And I sit out there, and they get done, and he waves at me. And he says, hey, let's go over here and talk for a minute. And, you know, we start small talk. And he goes, well, man, so you, you'd want to do something like this? And I was like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that's good to know because we, we're going to be looking for somebody because our roadie is leaving and we need somebody to tear down and set up all this equipment. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me. Excuse me while I go back out to the car and put my I roadie. Was big old, I was a big old boy back then. and He was Scotty the body. Yeah, he was a bodybuilder yeah. back then. I mean, then. I did a lot of lifting back then. And uh, I don't guess he saw my talent, but he liked my muscles. So he thought I could set it up so and tear just, it down. you just said... Let me run back out here and put on my black boots. Buddy, I'm my telling black you, short and I don't know what my face must have looked like in that moment, but I remember going, oh boy, that's not what I was expecting. And I I told him, uh, I said, okay. He goes, is that something you'd want to do? And I was like, yes, sir, maybe so. He's like, well, I tell you what, I want you to go pray about it. I'm going to call you in two weeks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I got back to Georgia and, you know, I kind of was praying about it and thinking about it. And it didn't matter what I read or where I turned. 
it like the word serve just it was like servant serve all this stuff. and man i just felt like even though i'd spent five and a half years in college got a couple of degrees wanted to be on stage i just felt like i was supposed to go set up and tear and tear down equipment that's what i'm supposed to do so he called me and i said i'll do it so i took my last exam a couple of months later and drove to atlanta and got on a bus and that was 1993 mm-hmm. and i ain't come off of one yet <laughs> right, folks. You may have think that you, off daily trays ever since. Yeah, you Amen. may think that musical career was coming to a dead end all of a sudden. But there's another couple of chapters we're going to get into. But first, we're going to listen to a word from our sponsors as we go out with uh, some of Steve and uh, Scotty's musical choices. Here, we'll take you out on that. We'll be right back after our a quick message from these sponsors. sure what is more famous, the Bully Burgers or the Sirene? Of course, we're talking about the Dawsonville Pool Room located on Bill Elliott Street in Dawsonville. Whether you want to stop by for a game of pool or enjoy one of those world-famous Bully Burgers, be sure to take a gander at all the photos and news clippings from racing history in Dawson County. From dirt tracks to super speedways, it's all captured on the walls of the pool room. Dine in or take out, that's a Dawsonville Pool Room for the siren sounds on every Elliott win. You probably haven't checked the propane tank lately. It's when the pilot light goes out that you finally notice, right? And now you're in a bind. Who do you call? Mills Fuel Service right now. Mills Fuel has provided North Georgia with fast, courteous service and clean propane for over 50 years. So don't let the tank hit rock bottom. Call Mills today, 706-265-3394. Three locations to serve you coming Dawsonville and Dahlonega online at millsfuelservice.com. Buell Martin Barbershop is your one-stop barber for all your men's grooming needs. Stop in for that Buell special. You'll get a straight razor shave and a haircut topped off with your choice of either witch hazel or vitalis. And for all you pickers out there, Buell will stock some strings and picks for them guitars and banjos. That's Bill Martin Barbershop on Highway 9 in South Coal Mountain. If you see Piedmont, you done gone too far. And we're back. That was uh, People Get Ready, Getting After It. Yep. New song. That's right. Old you school. arranged the, the, whole, uh, the whole song on that one. Huh? Well, yeah, pretty much. It, you know, it. Uh, like I said, I was hired to be a roadie, and I got out there for a good six months doing all that. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys, original uh, members, decided he was quitting, and he wasn't doing this weekend shows. And so, you know, I got a phone call again going, hey, uh, hey, you know the songs. You're out there every night listening, right? I was like, yeah, I know the songs. I mean, yeah. Well, man, I need your help. So long story short is, next thing I know, I'm setting it all up and doing the show. 
<laughs> oh, you didn't even have your own personal roadie anymore. <laughs> no. You were doing it both. Doing everything. We did it all anyway. But, you know, so, you, that, by, so that weekend, I'm now on stage singing, and they had never had instruments on stage. And he's like, uh, Eddie said, well, what all do you do? I know you play some stuff. I was like, man, I play keys and sax. Well, we've never really done anything like that, but if you want to bring a keyboard or something, maybe we can play along. So, okay. So I bring a keyboard, and long story short, that weekend I sit up there and play along. And so were they playing the like tracks? tracks. Or? They were playing the okay. tracks. Back then, that was the popular thing to do um, for a contemporary Christian group anyway. Right. And Because um, they were mainly a vocal group. And so I bring a keyboard out, and then I have my sax out, and he let me open up for us that weekend, did that. And I think he saw the crowd respond to live instruments, and this is something new. Mm-hmm. You know, the next thing I know... We're auditioning guys, and we eventually become a full-blown band. And People Get Ready was one was the first song mm-hmm. that we ever did as a band. And we it's a cover song of a Curtis Mayfield. Right. It's a Curtis Mayfield song that Rod Stewart had done, yeah. and lots of people have done this song. But we wanted to do something that fit this new sound that we were going for. And so I programmed and came up with this arrangement, and this beat and all this kind of stuff, and put solos in it. And so you just heard it, and... And That's, you played saxophone on that. Played sax. Live, too. Played sax on And would that go out live. front and get a response from the crowd. You know, back then, Kenny G was huge. So right. being a sax player with a wireless mic, I mean, I could go outside and play if I wanted to and come back in. <laughs> Did you have a perm at the time? I might have. <laughs> <laughs> but I ain't telling. One thing I did have was a mullet, and I was proud of it, too. <laughs> so that kind of made you producer by... It made me just go. I, I enjoyed arranging. Right. And even with full armor, I, I did a lot of writing and stuff. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I think it was the creative process I just kind of mm-hmm. was drawn to. And, uh, and you got to be on the ground floor of, of, of them changing their sound. Oh, man, buddy, it was crazy. Like pioneer. Was, I mean, pioneer it, it really was crazy to watch because... And then you got fired a year later from well, that? Well, close to it for doing it. How did that happen? But you know, well, yeah. Well, let me tell you how that happened. There's some things you're not supposed to say. Shreveport one Saturday yeah. night was a... Yeah. Bless their hearts. Yeah, bless their hearts, Lord. But uh, the crazy thing is we, 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 the, whole, the group just transformed overnight into a band. We made the People Get Ready album. Then we made a record called Love Revolution. And off of two records, we had, uh, you know, 10 number one songs yeah. on two records, which is just about impossible to do nowadays because yeah. of the way radio works. Is this like on an independent label? No, we were on Benson, Benson Records, <clears throat> which is a big label uh, in Nashville. And um, Hey, so, so real quick too. So, so Scotty and his wife and me and my wife, we went on a vacation, went on a cruise, mm-hmm. and we took a little excursion one day to this little island. I mean, little, This had been late 90s. Late 90s, I yeah. guess, yeah. Little island in the middle of nowhere and we're walking out there and we see a guy with a new song t-shirt with scotty's picture on the t-shirt on this rod stewart <laughs> how random is that it was, and it was rod stewart yeah so so they in other words they were they were really popular at the time they were they were one of the top shelf yeah Christian you know we were, we were having hit song after hit song and headlining the festivals and 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 this is uh kind deadly of, plates What's that? Got the deli plate? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, oh, yeah. The green room, right? deli plate. Oh, yeah, yeah, the deli yeah. plate. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were based out of Atlanta. We, we were headlining all these festivals, and uh, I had started to hear 
uh, about a band called Third Day in Atlanta. And we'd play these festivals in the summer, and I'd see that they're playing, you know, in the afternoon on a side stage or something. And I'd kind of go check them out, you know, and I dug the rock sound. It's kind of like Pearl Jam with meets Southern Rock. And, you know, I'd see them watching our show at night when we'd play. And, uh, you know, I really didn't know the guys, but we passed, you know, uh, our paths crossed or whatever, you know, at different times. And uh, anyway, I ended up getting a, a phone call in 19. I got married in 97. I got a phone call in 98. Hey, this is uh, Mac uh, Powell. I don't know if you know me or remember me, but I play in a band called Third Day, and we just signed a record deal, and we're getting ready to do another record. And it's like, yeah, man, I know. I love you guys, man. Yeah, good to hear from you. Well, man, we're we're wanting to do a record that's you know more southern rock. We want it to be like the Black Crows and Leonard Skinner, and you know, there's piano and organ, and we love what you do. Would you would you help us make the record? And we're going to do it at Southern Tracks in Atlanta, which was this legendary studio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sign me up, son. If we're making Southern rock music, let's go. And I'll never forget. Uh, we're doing what we call pre-production, which is like, here's some song ideas. Let's all meet in a rehearsal space. And I lugged my Leslie cabinet from my organ and my keyboard all into this little rehearsal space down here in the, out, outside of Marietta. And, uh, and it just felt like, man, I just met my long lost brothers, even though I was still in new song, you know, new song was doing, we were doing fine, but musically it wasn't going where I wanted to go personally, mm -hmm. you know, and here's these guys that were making the kind of music I really wanted to make. And so, man, by the time we hit the studio in Southern Tracks and, and started recording these songs live as a band all in the same room, you know, like, here's the arrangement. Y'all got it? We good? Put it in a red roll tape. Did it to two-inch tape. Uh, we ended up making a record called Time. And from that point <laughs> on, I was, you know, on every third day record and eventually uh, jump ship from new song into third day and uh it was just uh just one of the highlights of my career and of my life is traveling the world you know yeah. playing keys in third day and just some crazy stuff that we got to do and literally traveling all over the world all over the world i yeah, mean man, how you many know, years were you with third day gosh well i started playing on the records in 98 and i jumped ship from new song in 04 05 so however long that is until, until 14 years or so? 2018, right? Yeah, so 13, 14 years. Yeah, you like could that. have probably made staff sergeant in the Marines by then, though. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd just about be retired. <laughs> yeah, I'd have my 20 years. pension and everything. I mean, pretty close. Pretty close. You know, done go to OCS. Either school. way, you'd have got to solve the world. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we did some, you know, man, one of the, another highlight was in third day, we, we got asked to do a USO tour in 08 during the middle of the war. You know, so we go to Baghdad, Iraq, and we play for the troops. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, you I was going to say, what was the biggest highlight? I, I guess, mean, that's the biggest one, gig, or you know, that's like, one of them for sure. Yeah. I mean, you were in. You said you got a picture of you in one of the was it the, the palaces over there? Oh, I got that? a piece of Saddam's palace over here in the studio. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you that story if you want to hear it, but I might get in trouble by somebody yeah, I was later. Gonna say, yeah. We'll do that on the break. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'll I don't, have to tell you all that one off air. Nobody's going to hear it. No. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just. Man, everything from every every major place you can play, from Red Rocks to the Beacon in New Did, York. Didn't you guys do a show with Skinnerd? Oh gosh, yes. In, a, in the late nineties, we opened up for Leonard Skinnerd in Dothan, Alabama, 
I mean, like the dirt bowl down there. I don't know. But we did. And Third we, day in Skinner. That's right. You got it. And, were you uh, tempted to close off the show with Freebird oh or my Sweetheart? Gosh. We were nervous. <laughs> like, oh, what are we doing opening up for Skinner? Because we were you even get to see him? You even get to talk to him? Oh, well, that. that was what we were pumped about, dude. We're going to hang out with Skinner. They'll be backstage. Shoot. We didn't. <laughs> no, them dudes pulled no. up. Them, them dudes pulled up as they're being introduced. Yeah. And we just kind of <laughs> like, hey, snap some pictures <laughs> while they walk by. They, they think we're like there with catering or something. You know what I'm saying? They don't Deli, even know. They don't Deli even Trace. know a band played before them, nor do they care. <laughs> but uh, but you know, he's talking about Skinner because you're a Skinner fan, right? Oh yeah, I'm a huge Skinner fan. Well, you know, Billy Powell, arguably the best, one of the best rock piano players. Oh yeah. Period. Um, was a roadie for Leonard Skinner. And so our stories kind of parallel a lot. That's to what me. I was saying when you said that. Like, you know, how he got in the band was they were tracking, I'll tell a Skinner story, Jimmy Johnson, who produced uh, Skinner. I spent a whole day with Jimmy Johnson over in Muscle Shoals. Oh, that's, yeah. Jimmy Johnson passed away about a year or so yeah. ago. Absolute legend. I mean, played on everything you can think of from Aretha to you name it. And uh, sweetheart of a man. And spent the whole day with this guy telling me stories and, he said, man, we we tracked uh, this band called Leonard Skinner down at Muscle Shoals Sound, and um, we tracked this song called Freebird. And <laughs> Ronnie um, said, man, let's just, let's go eat. It's supper time. Let's go eat. And so I told my engineer, I said, we're going to go eat. I'll bring you back something. He said, uh, why don't you get a little good mix going? That way we'll go take a break and come back in and listen. And he said, we got through eating, and we walk in the door, and we could hear the song coming from the speakers, you know, down the hall. And Ronnie goes, who in the heck put piano on my song? And they get in the control room. He's like, who put piano? Well, it's not piano on the song. Ever since y'all left, that guy's been in there playing piano the whole daggum time. <laughs> and it was Billy Powell, who was a roadie, in the room just playing along to the song. And of course, we all know Freebird with piano, and that's how he got trained classical musician. He went to school. Exactly, he was a scholar in music theory. Yes, I mean he had the whole bit, and you know that's how he ended up. He was a roadie, and he's in the band. I was the same way, roadie in the band. So, you know, I kind of go, wow, that's kind of cool, you know. And so he was pretty much, I mean, a hero of yours growing up. Oh, absolutely, you know. And then finally get to play a gig and open up for him. Yep, and didn't even get to say hey. Dad gummit, I know it. <laughs> it sucked. That's the other question I always throw out there that I've thrown out before with a couple yep, of the other guys yep, that, we've yep. inter- that we've interviewed. I've said, you know, you know, never meet your heroes. You know, they they always say never meet your heroes. My, my big hero, of course, is Eddie Van Halen. Everything I've ever read or ever oh, heard, gosh. you don't want to meet Eddie. You don't, Van Halen. don't want to meet Eddie. And, I don't, and, I, and now that. I don't want to because I don't want to ruin my, my childhood. That's it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Two years ago on my 50th, Scotty <laughs> got to introduce me to my, my guitar hero, Steve Lukather. From Toto. From Toto. Mm-hmm. He took me to see Toto. And then yep. in the show, he hands me the backstage pass. And yes. I go back. And it was a very limited meet and greet. Yes. And he was like 10 people in mm-hmm. the room. And got to sit there and tell him how he you know, inspired me as a guitar player and helped teach me how to play. And that was pretty cool. And he was the nicest dude. He was so, so like, cool. He'd already seen his demons at that point in life yeah. and you know 
I think, yeah. was sober and well, in a good place. Well, he told me, he said, I'm, and after I told him all that, which was so cool to me, I've been rehearsing that speech for 30 years, you know, yeah. and he said, he said, I'm really glad I got to meet you now and not back in the day when I wasn't sober. Right. Which was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, super cool dude, for sure. So third day, 14 years? Yeah, a good 14 years. 14 yeah, years. on the road, you know, and then 20-something years playing on the records. So it's a long... A long history there. And then um, they decided to take it to the barn. Take it to the barn, call it a day. Do we a, fair, did a farewell did a tour. Farewell tour in two years ago, or three years ago, whatever two, it was. Two, two years, years ago. Yeah, 18. Which was cool. We knocked out about 20 shows, or 22 shows in a month. So that was you know, oh, blowing smokes. and going right there all over the country. Ending up at Ending Red Ending up Rocks. at Red Rocks. Sold now, were you show still doing Rocks. roadie work at that time? No. <laughs> 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 Only when he got home. He had I did dishes when I got yeah, home. Exactly. He had texts and roadies by that time. I mean, you know, it little things changed a little bit there. They did. They did. And was the producing escalating off when the you were off the road with them? Yeah, the producing I fell into by accident, you know, it was one of those things where it, it just kinda happened to of the singer of New Song had been asked to produce a record. You know, he was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I kind of do, but I don't. You know, she wants to do these arrangements of these cover songs. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll arrange it, whatever. So then he's like, well, why don't you, she loves what you did. You just want to finish it? I was like, oh, whatever. Somebody, so long story short, that record comes out. Somebody hears it. Another group. Word get, gets out. Get, yeah, it's just word of mouth, you know. It kind of starts to catch a little fire, a little domino effect starts to happen. And then I kind of realized, man, I kind of like doing this, and people are calling me. Maybe I should try to be a record producer. Maybe I should learn how to record. Maybe I should figure out how to do this, you know. And I had watched, uh, as we made new song records, and, and even doing Third Day records, I had watched some great producers. I'd been in the room with them. Now, who all would you, can you name that you work with that some, some of these folks may know? Well, the, I'd say probably the most superstar producer is Brendan O'Brien. Brendan O'Brien. You know, Brendan's Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Bruce Springsteen, Rage Against the Machine, The Black Crows, the list goes on and on. Train, um, the list goes on and on and on. You know, uh, just an absolute rock god when it comes to producing. And one of my heroes. You know, so to work with him was amazing. Pretty easy to work with. Yeah, I loved him. Um, you know, we I felt like we got along, we hit it off. You know, he was cool. Um, one of the biggest compliments I think I've ever gotten. I, I had it till my phone farted out on me, but he had left me a message, you know, like, man, just total pro, played your butt off, loved it, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. to hear that from some guy who's kind of like tipping the hat going, man, yeah. you killed it. They don't do it a whole lot. <clears throat> yeah. Do it a lot. Yeah, because, you know, you, you just go, can I hang? You know, you spend your whole life going, can I hang? Can I do, you think I could really hang? You know, it's like... Mm -hmm. And then to get in a room with a guy like that that's done it all. I mean, I think Paul McCartney's people even called him when, we, when he was working on our record. And, and for, to get a call from him going, dude, you killed it, total pro. It was like, okay, maybe there's something to this, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I just got into producing by accident and started finding bands and artists and whoever I could get with that I felt like, you know, had some potential and started to do what we call developing, you know, which is like, let's get in a room, let's write some, make sure your songs are good, let's fix your sound, let's work on your sound, let's tweak your sound, whatever it takes. 
And so I did band after band and years after years of just all kind of stuff. And I found these dudes from uh, Radford, Virginia. And <laughs> they were at the time called Soul Divine. And uh, they basically were three white guys who sounded like, you know, Backstreet Boy Harmony type stuff with acoustic guitars. Yeah. And they had a buddy who owned a killer studio up in uh, Virginia. So I went up there to work on the record. And we're sitting there working on these nice little, you know, what I call sissy acoustic songs. <laughs> yeah. You know, those are real cute, real cute, you know. <laughs> and <clears throat> we would take a break and I'd be working on doing some editing or whatever. And I would hear them start jamming. I'd be listening and then they'd jam on some other thing. And I'd get on the talk back through the console. Hey, what is that? Is that like, what is that, Lenny Kravitz or something? No, they'd do another one. Dude, what in the world are y'all playing in there? That is killer. Man, that's just stuff we love to do, man. You know, we love all that rock stuff. I'm like, y'all need to come in here. So I get these guys to come in the control room. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? They think, man, they're in trouble. You know, they were kids. And uh, I said, look, here's the deal. I'm just going to shoot you straight. We can keep doing what we're doing. Or whatever that is y'all are doing in there, we can do that. What do you mean? I was like, whatever that is y'all are doing in there is awesome. Ain't nobody doing that. You think we could do that? I was like, are you kidding me? So right then, we changed gears, ended up changing the name. We made a record. We got a record deal. We got Grammy nominated. That was December Radio, De right? December Radio. Grammy nominated. First record's Grammy nominated. First record wins rock album Double Award, which is a Christian Grammy, uh -huh. you know, for rock album of the year. And songs of the year and all this kind of stuff start to happen hit song go make a second record it wins rock album dove award you know of the year and and it just is like you know that was kind of like this defining moment as a producer where it's like okay you just did something that people now are going oh wow who did that what yeah. is that that sounds yeah. different that's cool and then it just led from to other things you know uh, but that's just one of many bands. <laughs> and that, and you, I've done so, so you were, many. So, so suddenly you're a Grammy-nominated producer. Yeah. And which happened one other time as well. Yeah, a couple of times Grammy-nominated, lost both times. <laughs> uh, but, you know, then I won, you know, Dove Awards and ASCAP Awards and all these kind of things. Yeah. You know, those kind of things start to happen, which, you know, just helps build your resume. And, and uh, yeah. That's so amazing. The, so Third Day does a farewell tour. Third Day does a farewell tour. At kind of at the top of their game. Top of the game. You know, all the we do 20 shows or whatever it is. Every night sold out. Um, I ended up producing our last record, which is a, a live record where I recorded all the shows. You know, Third Day Farewell. Did you use live. that uh, nine to night feel to try to get that in there? I'd like to have. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good so live album. It was great. So suddenly you're sitting at home. Yeah. So, you know, after 25 years of being on the road and touring, you know, I'm not getting any younger. We're done as a band. You three, know, three kids. Three kids, one wife. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now I got all this time and, you know, really blessed and really lucky to always be busy in the studio. So I had good work going on as producing. But, you know, anytime you do something for 25 years and all of a sudden the light switch is like flipped off, you're like, well, I can't see in the dark. You know, <laughs> flip it back on. I'm used to being on, I got to smell mm -hmm. diesel. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I need a truck stop. I need some roller meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I, I want to go to, what you mean, I wanna go to a bathroom that. I've never been in that smells like somebody bombed it. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just some, we're weird people, man. We're yeah. born to be on the road yeah. and it feels like home. And uh, I missed it. And I thought, well, you know, what? I was so lucky and blessed to do it in Christian music. You know, I feel like at the top of the game, we were third day, and what we did was, you know, just, I think, almost unachievable now Yeah. because of the way the business has changed. Yeah. Um, so very grateful, but once again, just what I do, and six or seven months of Sitting not being on. producing. Yep. And then the phone rings. Then the phone rings. And we will get to that right after the word from our sponsors. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Cold Mountain Cal, Cheeto Cheatham, the good doctor producer Steve Thomason, turning dials and making smiles, and our special guest on this episode, Mr. Scotty, as Steve says, the body will banks. We'll be right back. <laughs> Let's Go. take him out with a little December radio. I used to have a home, the place I started from, the place to call my own, the bright light. And late nights The devil took me on a midnight ride Left me out in the desert On my own And now I feel alone I need a hand To help me find my way back home I'm a drifter out on a dead end road Trying to find my way Too long, headed to places I don't belong, and I've got to get back home to you. Sometimes I think about the past. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports League. Go ahead, like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports League. Thank you for calling Village Cinema. Showing this week is Smokey and the Bandit, starring Mark Reynolds. Showtimes are 7 and 9 p.m. And Sundays, 3, 5, 7, and 9. Village Cinema, next to Gigi's in Lanier Village Shopping Center. 887-8855 for movies and showtimes. Thank you. Sun's out, plows out, folks. Time to get your gardens planted. When you need your planting supplies, T.R. Thomas Mill in Coal Mountain is the place you need to go. Come in and get your seeds for your corn, peas, turnips, and beans. We got half runners and full runners. Don't forget, you gotta have some new enter for fertilizer. T.R. Thomas Mill. Hey, we're in Coal Mountain. Spot Road, USA, across from Jan's Jeans.
we're back. Yeah, we're back, baby. We're back right now. Y'all may be wondering why we uh, played a Luke Bryan song. Well, we mentioned about the phone ringing. The phone. And it was Luke Bryan? Well, not exactly. <laughs> it was my mama. It was Lionel Richie. Yeah, it was Lionel. <laughs> say you, say me. Hello? Hello? Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm sitting in the studio, and I got a text from my buddy Brian Willis, who, just a dear friend who worked with us in Third Day for 10 years, left us about seven or eight years ago to get in the country world to work for Luke Bryan as a guitar tech. And he texts me and he goes, my nickname in Third Day's Daddy. They all call me Daddy. It's kind of weird. But I know. Anyway, you know, you, can call, you. you can call me Daddy if you want to. But That's what anyway. they call me. Yeah, right? They do. They do. I don't even mean you're a brother. I heard that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he goes, Daddy, you're about to get a phone call from Michael Carter. And as I'm responding, like who? The phone rings. Hello? And he says, hey, this is Michael Carter. He said, uh, you know, I'm the the MD musical director for Luke Bryan. He goes, buddy, we uh, want to just talk to you. You come highly recommended. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be needing a keyboard player. We've had a transition. And... Um, is, is that in other words that means somebody got fired? <clears throat> that I think so. <laughs> and and Luke, Luke's very loyal. His band's the, all been with him for... 10 or 12 years. Yeah, 10, 12, 10 12 years. years. And the keyboard yeah. player had been there about that 10, long. 10 years or so, yeah. You know, um, and... He said, buddy, you know, we've, we we checked you out. You know, I think they've done their homework on me. And uh, just wanted to see if you'd even be interested. You might not be, but just wanted to see. I said, well, yeah, I'd totally be interested in talking with you about it, you know. And uh, he said, well, would you, would, you, would you be cool with coming to Nashville, you know, meet Luke, meet the band, meet uh, management? Tomorrow. Like, yeah, <laughs> when you want me up there. Can you come tomorrow? I was like, tomorrow? For real? He's like... <laughs> Well, uh, I know it's last minute, but we're already scheduled to meet, and we're getting ready to do something, so we've got to run a song or two, and Luke will be there, and he's like, man, if you can't, I understand, but we're just kind of in a, in a bind where we need to figure some stuff out for us, and I said, let me call you right back, so I, I, I talked to my wife, and um, I said, hey, I just got this phone call, and she's like, you got to go, just go do it. He calls me and says, what do you, what do you yep. think? Yeah, I did. I, called, I, called. I said, this is what happened, what do you think? He's like, I said, if you don't do it, I will. Yeah, he's like, get in the truck right now. <laughs> right. And so uh, I called him back, and I said, man, okay, what time tomorrow? He's like, you know, 4 o'clock sound good? I was like, yeah, tell me where to go. So did he give you any uh, preparation, like we're going to work on this song? Yeah, or well, you put what, this in your what he said was, hey, I know it's last minute, and I know you're busy, but if you could just learn this one song, play it again, piano-driven. And, man, you didn't even have to learn the whole thing, just so we can – just see what it's like to play with you and all that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. And uh, I said, by the way, when's the next show? He said, well, it's in a few days out in California. We're playing Stagecoach. Well, that's 85,000 people. 85,000 people headlining. That's, that's a massive festival. Yeah, but after the first four or five rows, you, you can't, can't see them anyway. Yeah. Don't matter. <laughs> but they're going to hear you. Don't matter. And so I said, okay, okay, well, send me the details of where to go, the address and all that. And I said, man, I can't wait to meet you guys. Look forward to it. And I hung up. So I called my buddy back, Brian Willis, you know, who had given me the heads up. And I told him what happened. And I said, hey, you got a copy of y'all's set list? Set list is all the songs that you do during the night. He goes, yeah. Send me a copy of it. It's 25 songs or so. And so I stayed up, and I learned every daggum one of them. 
charted them out, made my notes the best I could, you know, and I got drove to Nashville that night. I crashed at a buddy's place, set up a keyboard in a little bedroom and kept working. Got a little bit of sleep, got up, went over and met the band, met Luke, met Carrie, Luke's manager. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, when I, when I sat down in the studio with Third Day, it was like, wow, I'm supposed to be here. This just feels like home. It was that kind of feeling. I had felt it before. And I, when we played some songs, and even when I met Luke, who's a Georgia boy, he's country, mm-hmm. we got that in common. It just felt like home. It was like, man, this is not hard at all. This feels like the right thing. And so we do that, and I drove home. And long story short is they put me on a plane to California, and I fly out and go to the hotel, and then uh, we get ready to do uh, Stagecoach, and we've, I find out, hey, look, there's no sound check and there's no rehearsal. I'm like, no sound check, no rehearsal? And, I've never you'd, played anything. You'd, played a, you'd have played a total of how many songs with that whole band? Three. Three. Three, maybe. During a, re- during a quick little meeting thing we had, you know, like, and I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, here we go. This ain't no hobby. Let's, let's get on this horse and ride. <laughs> so, you know, so here we are. My first show with Luke's, 85,000 people, no sound check, no rehearsal, no in-ear mix, check, nothing. And I've got the set list. And basically, Kent, our drummer, is like, hey, man, I got you. Just watch me for count-offs. Watch me for endings. I don't know how they end the songs live. I learned them by listening to the records, you know. And uh, fade them out, wouldn't you? Yeah, right, man. Right. Right. It's like, when do we do the yeah. fade? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd heard a few live versions, but uh, anyway, the show went great, and we're all headed back to the hotel, and Michael Carter says, well, buddy, that's how you play a first show. <laughs> and uh, Next show was in next Dallas, show was Dallas at, at a stadium. stadium. And then the, th- the third one was American Idol. third one was American Idol finale, and they kept wanting me to come back, you know. And then finally, you know, uh, Carrie, Luke's manager, she called me and was like, how you feeling? And I said, well, I feel great about it. How y'all feel? Well, we love it. You know, we want you to do it. Okay. You say, well, I got a few uh, negotiations yeah. I need to I work said, on. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll have my lawyer call you. Hey, Steve, I'll have my people. can you be my lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> you, you got any paperwork? So uh, anyway, that was a year and a half ago, and it's just been awesome until this daggum pandemic. So you, so you did the whole tour, the 20, yeah, 2019 the whole tour, tour that yeah. ended in January in Mexico, In Mexico, right? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, was Stagecoach the biggest show you've ever played? No. Biggest show. Third day? Yeah. Biggest crowd was in Brazil. They estimated close to 800,000 people. I could not see Eight, the end of 800, the crowd. 800,000 people. It, it, was, it would be like uh, finding a straightaway on 75, shutting it down, setting the stage at one end, and filling it up with people. It's like looking at the ocean. You can't see the end. I could not see. It is nuts. And that's common over there because oh, they love it. They oh, love they love American like rock bands. Yeah, yeah, that was massive. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, favorite venue to play that you've played out? Hmm. Good, good size for a lot theater to arena style. Paul's Steakhouse doesn't count. Paul's Steakhouse. <laughs> that gummit. That would have be on my list. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Red Rocks is such a legendary place. Cool. You know, it's a cool place to play. Uh, you know, the first time we played the Fox Theater in Atlanta, because I'm a Georgia boy. 
And uh, he sent me a video from his phone last year from the tour. They were playing um, in New England at the Patriots Stadium, and Gronk comes out on stage with him. Yeah, and was singing of like they did. They finished with like a Bon Jovi or yeah, song we were or doing uh, like that. Yeah, Bon Jovi song. Gronk's out there, and and he's just just panning around with his camera and it's just an ocean it's of people sold out there. sold yeah. out the bleachers and the whole field just covered up just yeah. an ocean of people too yeah i mean that that was probably the that was such a you know you people go you're such you're, you're a rock star what's it like being a blah 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 you know that was when i really felt like this is crazy this is total rock star moment when you're in a stadium it's sold out and they're singing every word and it's so loud that I can hear it through my in-ears, which are like having headphones on or something. Does yeah. that throw you off any at all? No, no. It just, I mean, you, it, it's just mind-blowing to look out. I mean, you saw the video, Steve. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is nuts. And we yeah. did, um, uh, whoa, I'm halfway there. Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. Mm -hmm. Bon Jovi as the encore, which you don't have to sing because they know every word, and it's just, you could and, probably and hear Luke, it. From, and Luke is a jukebox. Luke, Luke is a walking jukebox. You name a song, he knows it. It's crazy. Really, he's so talented. Uh, really impressed me, you know, with his musical knowledge, his, just the history of, of old, old school country and pop and rock. And, you know, he plays piano and guitar. So you ever tried to stump the band, like throw stuff on y'all? Oh, like, dude. Like during a show? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Buddy, one night we're in Colorado <laughs> playing a festival with Dirks Bentley. And I think it was Dirks, yeah. And um, we're on, we get about halfway through the set, and Luke, they roll the piano out so Luke can play. So he sits down at the piano because he loves Lionel. Obviously, him and Lionel are buddies from the American Idol show. So Luke wants to play Easy Like Sunday Morning. Not a problem. Love mm -hmm. that song. Because I'm easy. You know, he does it. And then he wants to play The Chair, which is George Strait. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then. He and it's just one thing. We ended up playing probably seven or eight tunes everywhere, anywhere from Easy Like Sunday Morning to Inner Sandman by Metallica mm -hmm. to <laughs> to uh, Eddie Rabbit Loves a Rainy Night to I don't even know the chair to You're on I mean, Chris's iPod. I mean, oh, yeah. dude, yeah. It, it literally <laughs> was like it, it was like we're just being a jukebox Shuffle, right now, yeah. and we're just all trying to figure it out. Like, oh my gosh, what key's he in? Oh my gosh, what, how's this go? Wait a minute, you know. Who's screaming the key? Well, we've got, each one of us has a mic where we can talk to everybody on stage. And so, play, play Love's Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit. Love's Rainy Night. Do it in G, you know. Somebody's and we, calling. So, you know. And, you know, we grew up on that. So, yeah. all the guys in the band, you know, they they just great musicians. So, once we once we start, we can try to find a way to finish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just getting off the ground is the hard part. But I, I was on the road last summer doing the, the camps, the, the kids' camps that uh, I the group do every year. And when Luke played in Atlanta, so I missed the show, Scotty's first tour in Atlanta. So, I got back home, and then about two or three weeks later, me and my wife and son, we flew out to Iowa, where my wife's originally from Iowa, and saw saw them out there at the Iowa State Fair, mm -hmm. and that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Went back and met. The, got to take the son back, and, yep. and and Dawn went back too later and met some of the band and all that stuff. It was very pretty, cool. pretty cool seeing seeing Scotty and his element up there, and and hearing Luke because it was it was really impressive just the 
it wasn't just the radio songs. It was doing some rock stuff and whatever. He's and the way it just works. Some people are entertainers. Absolutely, are singers and some yeah. are entertainers. Man, I yeah. mean, he's like country Elvis. You yeah. know, he's just. I mean, and you know, the best guy. Not just saying it because he's my boss. I mean, he really is a good dude. Yeah. And country to like what he's singing about. You know, hunting, fishing, loving every day. Yeah. That's all Luke wants to do. <laughs> you Catfish know, it's all dinner. it's authentic. Yeah. You know, and and he has. And you know, as a, I was like, thirty-two bridge. Why is that in two or three of the songs? Oh, well, that's the bridge in his home, whatever you know, that crosses from one county to another. What I'm learning all this stuff, and mm. he's he's writing and singing about real stuff that he you know lived, and yeah. I think that's really cool. Well, let's a couple more be... things wrapping up. Yeah, um, and then, thank, thanks again for having us over here. But we were I saw y'all play the Grand Ole Opry last week. Oh yeah, give me like the hell how that whole operation goes from. When they bring y'all in and and that, and that was with and Luke and, and, and Darius, and, Darius and, and it was a different feel, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, than what you well, usually do. There, I mean, opera. my gosh, playing anywhere today is like, thank you, God, we're playing. This is good, exactly. Uh -huh. You know, but then you're like, but there's no one in the crowd, <laughs> literally, no one in the entire Opry, and uh, and made the drummer wear a mask. And, yeah, it was that yeah. was bizarre because the rest of us didn't have to wear a <laughs> right, mask, right, right. but the drummer has to wear a mask. I don't right. understand. He just kind of looked COVIDish. Yeah, it something. looked a bit. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, it looked like us drummers are kind of like that. Yeah, it was a bit bizarre. <laughs> yeah, we're like that. You um, don't want to get infected by us. You don't. Y'all guys are trouble. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, but you know they, we you know we get a group text because our band management, everybody's on a text thread or whatever. Hey, save this date. I think we're going to play the Opry with Darius. Okay, great. And of course, we're all like, yay, we're doing something. This is awesome. You know, and the next thing's like, hey, I'll let you know what songs. So, you know, several days go by. Hey, we're going to do these songs with Luke. You know, you get a few days out from having to play the show. Oh, by the way, you're going to play all Darius, Darius Rucker songs too. <laughs> oh, wait. <Yeah. laughs> I don't play for Darius. What songs? We... So then you get a, you know, a couple days before you get a, email, a text or whatever with it's going to be these songs. You're like, cool. I know all them Hootie songs. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> but, even, but what's yeah, funny is, is you get you get the email with the songs and then after, the, but until the show, it's still changing. Oh, nope. We're not doing that. He's going to do this song now. Yeah. Nope. He's doing that song now. And, and, two, like, and two Luke songs that you'd never played, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one thing that I figured out is we'll do massive TV shows, like the Today Show, a late night show, and the first time as a band we've ever played the song will be what you see as you watch the show. Like, you know, the bar is, is, is pretty high. Like you, It's like you're expected to go. It ain't a hobby. It ain't a hobby. You know, you got to show up, be prepared, and get it done. Show out. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. you know, because you're playing for a superstar, and you got to deliver. You know, you gotta you gotta bring it. Um, so you'd mentioned about you know playing the opera and just getting to play anytime. Tell us about the deal that you did. Was it called Music Cares? Yeah, Music Cares is an organization really started, I guess, by the people that put on the Grammys. You know, and uh, Music Cares. Was is basically I like to tell people the Red Cross for musicians for yeah. touring people that are in the music business, you know, in a time in crisis like we've been going through for the past almost year or whatever. Um, our industry, the music industry, the touring industry was one of the first to shut down mm -hmm. and will be one of the last to come back. Um, and so what that equals is not just the five or six guys on stage not working. That means the hundreds and tens of thousands of people that 
you know, do catering and bus drivers and truck drivers and light techs and Book sound keeping. guys and bookkeeping. And I mean, the, it really has this massive reach and it goes really far out with how many people it affects, the lives and the families that it affects. Now their jobs are completely done. They're, and we don't know when we're going to get back at it. You know, like in the, in the food industry, hey, we can't have people inside, but you could maybe sit outside, but we definitely do takeout. There's options. There's ways to figure this out has not happened for us in the touring world. Um, so about at the end of March, um, you know, I, I really wanted to try to do something, you know, that could help uh, in some weird, crazy way. Uh, I was aware of Music Cares and what they do uh, as a resource for musicians and touring people. And uh, so basically in a nutshell, I, I wrote this jam <laughs> one night late in this room on this keyboard and uh, it stayed up till four or five in the morning, did a full demo of it, you know, where I'd play all the different stuff and arrange it and uh, went to bed. That wasn't anything uncommon for me. I'd do that a lot, you know, where nobody would ever hear it but me because I knew it'd probably sound like crap the next morning when I got up, you know. And I anyway, got down here the next morning and listened to it. I was like, man, that's pretty cool, you know, and uh, sent it to the guys in the band and they were like, dude, that's cool, man. I mean, I'm just sitting around doing nothing, man. I'll play on it if you want to put real drums on it or whatever. And I was like, okay. And uh, so what ended up happening was um, I, re I formed this all-star band. And so when I was writing the song, uh, there's a part where it's like, man, this needs to sound like Brad Paisley. This needs to sound like Journey in the 80s. This needs to sound like a jazz thing. You know, and I had it all in my head and I did as much of it myself as I could um, so I just started with Luke's band going, Hey, y'all play on this thing. And then I'm Thomas Rhett, who's another country star. I've mm -hmm. got a, all his band are my buddies. So a couple of those guys. And the funny thing is December radio, the band that you were Grammy nominated yep. for, they are pretty much Thomas. Some of, some of, those, some of them are some pretty of those much Thomas, guys are in Thomas Rhett's band, band yeah. now. Yeah. Which is cool. And, uh, you know, so then I start thinking, okay, so I, I'm going to call my, my buddy Sam Sims. Sam Sims is a bass player in Atlanta. I play for Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Justin Timberlake. You know, and, and Sonny Emery, who plays drums for Eric Clapton, who played for Earth, Wind & Fire. My, my buddies here in Atlanta. So I call them, send them my demo. They're like, dude, yeah, I love this, man. I'll play on it. And I let everybody know, like, I'm going to do this, and we're going to figure out a way to put this out for Music Cares. You know, give them or whatever money's being made off of it, and people can donate or whatever. And uh, we, we told them to video themselves yes, playing their part. Yes, video yourself uh, while you're playing your part, your drum part, your guitar part, whatever. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I had written these sections with certain people in mind. Brad Paisley, this is a Journey thing. So I kind of had a connection with Jonathan Kane from Journey, who wrote Don't Stop Believing and Faithfully and all that. Uh -huh. He's a keyboard player. So I called his manager, and I pitched him the idea, sent him the track. He sent it to Jonathan. Jonathan was like, yeah, I'll do it. So next thing I knew, I get a phone call from Jonathan Kane, and we talked for almost an hour. And, uh, you know, that's a hero of mine. And he, he was in, and I write, man, okay, that was pretty easy. Uh, who else could I get? How about my buddy Jeff Coffin that plays sax with Dave Matthews' band? Jeff's in. He plays on it. Okay, what about... Uh, Brad Paisley. 
Well, I don't, that's a little big one right there. I don't know, Brad. So I called Carrie Edwards, who manages Luke, and shared the idea with her. And she was like, look, we want to help. I talked to Luke about it, you know. And uh, so, so Carrie helped make that connection with Brad. You know, so Brad Paisley plays guitar on it. And then I ended up working with Chuck Lavelle, who's the keyboard player for the Rolling Stones, for the Allman Brothers. He's in, you know, he's, I mean, these guys are legends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then horn players from Tower of Power, from the Joe Bonamassa band. Um, I mean, it's a who's who, really. It's this one, once-in-a-lifetime kind of yeah. all-star band. You get to see GP playing on there, too. Who? Certified guitar player. Oh, I got, I was getting to that. Okay, sorry. Steve Warner. Oh, yes. I mean, come on. And the crazy thing was I had, when I wrote the thing, I was like, man, if what would Chet play? How would Chet play this if he was still alive? And uh, I called, uh, I had just done a record on Mark Wills, who's a country singer. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Mark and sharing him, you know, I said, man, I need to find somebody to play this thing like Chet. And, you know, I know Steve does. And he's like, yeah, you got to call Steve. And I was like, well, I don't know Steve. Mark's like, well, I know him. I was like, all right, let me think about it for a minute. And I was talking to James <laughs> Cook, who plays bass with us, and Luke, who used to play with Steve Warner. Oh, you were in like Flint by then. And he's like, dude, <laughs> I'm calling Steve right now. He's going to love this. And he hit me right back. He's like, here's Steve's number. He said to call him. So I call Steve Warner. And I'm like, holy cow, this is ridiculous. <laughs> What is, is really Steve I mean, Warner? I'm just like, what is happening right now? I have got Steve you got Dr. Pepper in a can. I, I mean, is it raining gold right now? What's happening? And Steve is texting you pictures of him in his Corvette oh, on his driveway. Gosh, yeah. He's just I mean, like it's a buddy just, now. You were talking about, you know, you, you, you're fans of these guys like Steve, Chuck Lavelle, Jonathan Cain, these people that are, you know, superstars and idols and heroes. But... You get to actually get to know them, and you're like, man, these are the best people. They are the nicest people, yeah. and they're just just awesome. I mean, it really was uh, humbling uh, to, to know that they would want to be a part of something that I had written or created and was yeah. trying to do. And, of course, it's for a great cause, but it's still given of their time and talent, and Steve was in just like that. We were watching the uh, – Steve was kind of keeping it under – Raps and stuff, but he'd show us bits of it. He said, "Watch Steve Warner. Listen to this." I'm like, "That's the coolest sounding piece on the whole song." I thought, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, I mean, nobody does it like that. Yeah, like it's great. And uh, and so you know, here we are. It's done, and and me, Steve. uh, What do you what do you call Steve? CGP, the good doctor. No, no, the good. Oh, the good doctor. Steve Warner. Yeah, yeah, no, this, I know, I know, Steve, certified yeah. guitar player, yeah. Steve. The good doctor. But you know, when it, when it, when everybody had sent their videos in, you know, I'm dumb as a brick. I don't even know how to do music, much less video. So I had to call somebody who knows everything. <laughs> Steve, who knows something about everything. And of course, he was like, "Dude, get your butt over here. Let's put this thing together. Let's make it awesome." So he was just all about it, and hours and hours of the we spent in his studio. You know, putting it all together, lining it up, and and, and you know. So these you could, people listen to us. They need to go there and donate. Yes, so they do. Can you yes lead them in that direction? Yes. So it's very simple. Just go to quarantineallstars.com. Q U A R, 
A N A T I N E T I N E Quarantine All Stars dot com. You got to put that W W W in front. Yeah, of you got to do that. Yeah, but uh, but it, if you go to that the, website, the full, the full video of the song is the on there. You can see video, all the players. Yeah. You'll see everything that we did. Brad Paisley. You'll see Steve Warner. All the guys. Uh, it's pretty darn cool. And uh, and there's a donate button right there uh, on several places actually on the website. And just give a dollar, give ten dollars. Yeah. I mean, give a thousand dollars, man. Yeah. Um, you know, we just appreciate you supporting music and the people that make it. And you know, the business that we've poured into uh, for years is really hurting. And this is why we did this right. is to help. So anything you listeners out there can do, go to quarantineallstars.com. Just by watching that video, you're helping. So just watch it, you know, get, help us get the views up. I think we're at 20,000 or something like that right now. And, and share it. Yeah. Share it. Please share it. And, and, and please donate a dollar or whatever you can. It all helps and goes to a great cause. So when we have that big jam night, when it all comes together, when it's, once everything breaks, I mean, Chris, we'll be glad to do the MC in part of the show. Y'all. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll donate all of our, what we would usually charge. Yeah. yeah. We'll just donate. Just, just do care. that. Yeah. Just do that. That's what we're going to do. Why wouldn't you? That'd be cool. <laughs> hey, so quick, quick little closing story. One of the coolest things that's ever happened to me and Scotty together on a road trip. Oh, I know what you're going to say. So two years in a row, we played the music for, is the worship music for like a prayer breakfast. National at, prayer breakfast. At National prayer bre breakfast for the NRA convention. So in, in Atlanta one year and then Dallas yeah. the next year, they brought our wives out and yeah. everything, put us up in a nice hotel and everything. And, and we met all these cool people we're meeting. It's, it's just crazy the yeah. people we're getting to meet, that thing. And then we get to the airport in <laughs> Dallas to come home, and we're sitting there waiting for, to board the plane. And, I, and he goes, was that Lou Ferrigno? Yeah. And next thing you know, we track him down in the airport, find out about five gates down, get a picture made with the Hulk. Yeah. TV's the Hulk. And so we said, if, if nothing else, the greatest story we ever had was, and then we met, met the Hulk. The Hulk. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's real cool, but we met the Hulk. But we met the Hulk. <laughs> yes. Uh, one more uh, quick one. The second greatest story you ever told or met was some folks you got to sing with. You were telling us about earlier. Give us that quick story again. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, you know, country, you know. the legendary. If you don't know who the Oak Ridge Boys, something's wrong with you, first of all. Exactly. You got a problem. You need to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to the Oak Ridge Boys. I love me some Oak Ridge Boys. I mean, as a kid, I, gosh, Elvira and Bobby Sue hit American Made. I mean, I can go on and on about it. You know, thank you God. You could play the sax part on Bobby oh, Sue. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Every time they would come on TV, whether it was Hee Haw or the Country Music Awards, and they had the killer band and a sax player and just loved it. And uh, of course, their energy, just unparalleled. I mean, just amazing energy. Well, we were doing a third day record that we tracked over in Muscle Shoals at Fame Studios. And we'd cut all the songs, and last minute, it's like, let's do a cover song. What y'all want to do? I don't know. We threw out a bunch of ideas. We landed on She Loves Me Like a Rock. Great. Let's listen to it and learn it. So literally, in a matter of an hour, we've listened, come up with our little version of it, and tracked it. There it is. And the band, most of the band wanted to do the background vocals themselves. Yeah. yeah. So we thought, well, you know, there's a back, big background vocal part on the record. We'll just do that. You know, and so Mac, our singer, was like, do we really want to do it? Why don't we get, like, Blind Boys from Alabama to do it? No, we got Blind Boys from Alabama to sing on another record. 
somebody said, well, why don't we just talk to some studio singers and just get them to do it? You know, we routed off a bunch of people. And I said, well, dadgum, why don't we get the dadgum Oak Ridge boys to do it? And Mac's like, yes, we're going to get the Oak Ridge boys to do it. <laughs> Who's those Oak Ridge boys? I was like, well, I know Joe. You know, Joe and I had talked a few times. He's like, call Joe. So I texted Joe and called him and said, what do y'all think about doing this? He was like, Scotty, you better believe it. You let us know. Whatever you want us to do, we will do. We, we were just honored because Joe's a fan. Right. And uh, so long story short is we, uh, we go up to Ricky Skaggs. I go up to Ricky Skaggs. I was the only guy who could go at the time. And uh, I go up to Ricky Skaggs Studio in Nashville, and I walk in, and there's the Oak Ridge Boys, three of them. So we've got Joe, we've got Dwayne, and we've got Richard right? But we ain't got no William Lee in there yet. And so we kind of all just shoot the bull for 15 or 20 minutes, you know, and time's kind of ticking where you're in the studio and time's ticking. You blow money. money. Yep. So Dwayne's like, well, we need to get going. I think we can't get William Lee. We don't, I mean, he may, Scotty, he may not even show up. We don't know. He's like, look, you just sing William Lee's part. And I'm literally just thrown into the fire. I'm like, what? Yeah, roll it, roll the track. We'll figure it out. And Dwayne is the guru at finding parts and telling people, you do this, you go up there. I mean, he's got it down and he's doing his thing, you know. And he's like, Scotty, you grab that low part right there. And so I start singing the low, you know, the baritone part. And uh, I am just, I mean, I'm just losing it because <laughs> I am now in the Oak Ridge Scotty boys. Lee. <laughs> I'm Scotty Lee Golden. Scotty Lee Golden, man. Yeah. <laughs> Make him welcome. Yeah. So I made my debut as an Oak Ridge Boys right there in uh, in the studio that night. And for about fifth, a good fifteen minutes, we're working up all these parts. No William Lee, and I'm filling in. Filling and, it. And Dwayne's like, "Look, you'll sing it. You sound great. If he don't show up, you're singing it." I was like, "Yes, sir, Mr. Dwayne. Whatever you say, brother." And then here comes William Lee. That you know, gummit. I was like, that it. <laughs> of course, I was glad to see you. You were just him. about to get into like Ozark Mountain Jubilee I, or something. Buddy, like you know it. <laughs> and so, you know, William Lee comes in and we all meet him and say, hey, thanks for doing this. And he's like, well, what are we doing? Y'all show me what to do. So we show him what we're doing. And he starts singing with those other dudes. And it was like butter. Boom. That was the magic. There's the cake. Yeah. There it is. All the ingredients right yeah. in place. <laughs> yeah. Make welcome to Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> wow. And man, they How many went, takes? Son. Well, it was interesting because I thought they'd all go down together. But they wanted to do it each part individual. Really? And so Richard went in. No, Joe went in first. They did the tenor first. And then wow. Richard went in. And then Top they bottom. Fiddled, filled in the middle. Oh, okay. Wow. And which was interesting to me that they did it that way, but I tell you what, to sit in there, you know, and as a kid listening to those records, watching them on TV, just looking up to them, going, they are sitting in front of me on the other side of that glass, singing on on this song, and who gets to do this? Who gets to sit and watch the Oak Ridge Boys? He sent me that video from his phone that night too. I did. Him, I him sure sitting did. Sitting there with the with the three other. That's actually that video was all all of them all there of by them. then, yeah. and they're all singing, and you're just directing them right yeah. in there. It's I pretty mean, cool. I'm just having the time of my life listening to the Oak Ridge Boys. Like, who gets to do this? So oh. it's you know that's one of 
many crazy stories over it, a you got to eat year you career. got to eat a meal at Phil and Miss Kay's house from oh, Duck gosh. Dynasty. Yeah, when Duck Dynasty was the biggest show on TV, they they wanted miss they wanted us to meet us and had us over at the house and Miss Kay cooked for us and it was unbelievable. That woman can cook that gum. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> All right, well, write some, some more. Write some more of these notes down because we're gonna have to come back if you'll have us back. I, oh goodness, <laughs> man! I tell you, it's we hard talk to, all night, or we'll go on the road and meet y'all one. Oh, night come on then. <laughs> well, the touring's gonna come back, and I think people are gonna be hungry, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's gonna do. be like medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, get I, in line I, and take a shot of this goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm dying for it. Yeah. Not just, the, I mean, I enjoy playing, but yeah. I'm dying to see yeah. live music. Man, I'm with you too, buddy. I think everybody is. Folks, I mean, I had you. tickets. I think I think oh. Steve had tickets to it too. Megadeth and Lamb of God were supposed to play, and I, I had tickets for it. <laughs> right. and, uh, I know, yeah. I know Steve you did. Steve was going to drive. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Insane Clown Posse was there too that night, I think. We were yeah, supposed not, to go see yeah, Def Leppard again, but, you know, Slayer <laughs> and the Florida Boys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed this show. Uh, we've had a ball. Can we come back sometime? Maybe? Come on. All Thanks, right. Scotty. Scotty Wilbanks, folks. You got it. Remember that address quarantineallstars.com. Benefit Music Cares. You'll see our good friend here, Scotty Wilbanks, and all his little playmates as they get together and uh, serve their mankind. Tune in next time for another grand episode <laughs> of The Crossing, where the music meets the memories for Chris, Scotty, and the good Dr. Steve. Take us on out of here with some... Quarantine All-Stars. Quarantine All-Stars. <laughs>